Welcome to What Could Go Wrong Live. I think we're at episode four. We've made it this far. Um, and I am joined today by the host of Overthrowing Education, which is like my favorite podcast ever. So please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Batsheva Frankel. I have to say that the, the music coming in was so like meditative. And I was like, I, I was like off in a quiet place, you know, just having like a, a moment. And then suddenly I'm like, oh, here we are. I was like, so, yeah, here we so, are. Here we are. So yeah, so I'm Batsheva Frankel and I am a, a longtime veteran educator and author and uh, an educational consultant. I have uh, um, New Lens Education. That. Ah. I love that. I got it. I New got Lens it. Ed is my educational <laughs> consulting. Uh, it's also morning here. I'm in Los Angeles. We're still in morning. So, you know, give me some slack. Okay. Fine. But yeah. anyway, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I give uh, courses and workshops online to teachers all over the world. And I do it in person when you're allowed to. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and that's kind of what I do. And so, yeah, so I have the podcast Overthrowing Education, which I really love. And, uh, that's me. Yeah. Well, I think you're, that's how I found, that's how I found you was your podcast. And then I stalked you on LinkedIn <laughs> and it was like, I'm going to talk to this, you know, celebrity of education. I'm going to find her on LinkedIn. Okay. And we're, we're going to be best friends. I'm going to make her talk to me. And then when we finally had a conversation, I was, I told my husband, I was like, guess what? <laughs> the host of overthrowing education is going to talk with me and he was like oh my gosh that's so exciting it's so funny because you're such a superstar of education you're such a forward thinker you are absolutely you know i i a hundred percent it's so funny that you i love that. i know but yeah you're i was right i love talking to you we had such a fun conversation and uh yeah you and, and you're gonna be on my okay. podcast at some point right I told my husband that too. And he was like, oh my gosh, are Not you okay? <laughs> I love what you post. You post really amazing things and I'm always interested in it. And it's always, and funny and charming. And I mean, that, I try to do that on my podcast. I try to make it entertaining as it well as informative. And I try to make it fun and uh, wait till you play the five minute game show. I'm going to oh dear. come I'm up a little with about the game show. <laughs> Everybody um, is. But I'm excited about the, uh, your, like your parody commercials. Oh, Those are my commercial. favorite. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I have to tell everyone, I think I told you this, um, when I was first listening to it, I thought, I thought that, um, <laughs> I thought that I was like, is this a real commercial? I mean, I really had to listen to it and then start it over and then go, oh, I mean, not no, real. no, no, no. no. The commercials, I call them, right? Fake educational products that we wish were real. <laughs> So, yeah. so to put together oh my god there they crack me up so just yeah. if for no other reason you go hang out at overthrowing education podcast just for the infomercial the infomercials do it for that and <laughs> know that they're not real and don't get confused because right. no. <laughs> yeah, some of them are, are really more not real than others some of them are really <laughs> totally crazy and i've had a couple of episodes we'll have to see if you do this i've had a couple episodes where my guest that 
for that episode actually either helps me write it or in one case um one of we came up with an idea and he's like let me just see what i can put together joshua silverstein <laughs> and he's hilarious he's a comedian and a rapper and an educator oh, and a, uh, i mean it was so funny so he a beatboxer so he uh so he just did the whole thing himself. He produced the whole thing. His kids are on it. It's so Oh funny. my gosh. So, yeah. I have not heard that one. Which episode is that on? Oh. You know, off the top of your head. I guess I could just look I, up the name. Yeah. It's with Joshua Silverstein. It is, I will, I'll, I, I can look it <laughs> it's up. It's morning. It's fine. It's morning. It's I mean, fine. I can look it up. It. it was something good. It was pretty recent. I think it came out sometime in the fall. And, you know, just check the show notes. But anyway, he's really funny. You'll like it. He's great. Um, yeah, so it's really fun. But I also really love the opportunity to get to talk with other passionate educators who are doing amazing and interesting and innovative things. And it really, you know, we were going to talk about today going gradeless. And I really got to, I, I know my personal experience with it, which was great. But then I got to connect with other amazing educators who are doing it. And my very first episode, I was like, this is so important. My very first episode is about ungrading and I called it Why Grades Fail Us. And mm -hmm. it's with um, Jesse Stommel. And he he writes, he, he wrote this essay and I was like, oh my gosh, this guy, this is it. This is, it. I gotta get this guy on my show. <clears throat> and so he was my he was my first guest. And, um, and then later I have an episode called Going Gradeless with teachers from a school they started a whole school based on this idea mm -hmm. shannon green and vikita bot shannon green i was recent relatively uh, recent yeah right? that was relatively yeah. recent i mean it was like i don't know, spring i think i don't know yeah, yeah. you know time is so weird I know. Days and one day in a vacuum of confusion i don't, I don't really even know. know what day it is today but it, but but that was really amazing and um people are still so listening to those episodes because they have so much good information. And I think this is a really hot topic right now, especially with, with everything going on in uh, what we've been finding with the, you know, with the pandemic. And it's really put a spotlight on this issue of like, oh yeah, grades are really like not the best way to educate our students. Like it's really detrimental. It's not helping. Um, what are, how can we, what can we do to, to, to change those things? So my experience, and then I want to hear about your kids' school because your kids go to a grade list school too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to hear about that. Um, but for, I first dis discovered it when I always hated grades anyway, but I didn't really think, I didn't even realize there could be another way. Like, is there another yeah. way you can do that? So no, yeah, so there is. <laughs> Who knew? Um, I, so I started teaching at a school called Arete Prep. And in my second year, the head of the school, who Jim Hahn, who we really connected on educational philosophy, and he was saying, like, we need to start doing mastery. I want to stop. Students aren't uh, just numbers, you know, on a graph. Like they're actually human beings. They're human yeah. beings. I know, weird, right? Like, who thought of that? Who would have known? So yeah, blowing so everything up like, right now. We have to, yeah, and we have to, we have to look for mastery. What, like, stick a grade on something, and then also, like, we notice that if I don't know if you've ever like graded in the past, where and I, among other things, I teach English. So you know, you'd have an essay or whatever. If you put a ton of comments on a piece of paper. 
and then you put a grade on it I or a number on it, I promise you, the students will not look at the comments. They don't care. They got their grade, right? And um, yeah, I love what Elaine says, Elaine Harper, right? Who are the grades for anyway? Mm -hmm. The students, the teachers, yeah. didn't report cards. I mean, really, it doesn't help. It doesn't tell me as a teacher, honestly, um, what that student knows or what they're capable of. Right. It, it just labels them. It makes them... Uh, it, it, it either gives them a false sense of uh, dopamine, right? Uh, get, that yeah, grade, yeah. get that A. <laughs> we or, can all use some false dopamine right? sometimes. Right. You know I know. Give me an A. Um, <laughs> but, I, but, but it can also really be detrimental to a person. Yeah. And it can really be degrading. And I've had students, I remember, you know, this is a, like my first year of teaching. I remember this student who had done this phenomenal piece of work. We were doing... Um, I was doing something, I don't know, my first year teaching, I did all these great things that I didn't know were- I, Kind of a blur, like, right? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I had my students, <laughs> I was teaching history and I had my students each take, I had to get through a huge amount of curriculum really quickly. So, and I was like, I'm never gonna get through this. And so I just gave each of my students in pairs a chunk of something. And I was like, you're gonna teach this, you're gonna learn it and you're gonna teach it. And that's what's gonna happen. So this. So they did this simul simulation game that they made, that they created. It was based on, I had done this semester before, a different simulation game. The students made it? The students created it for the other students. It was amazing. I actually stole the idea and used it with a later class. It was so brilliant. The girls, <laughs> the girls who did it, they were eighth graders. And one of them was, I was like, this was, I just was going on and on. She's like, but I'm a C student. I don't get it. And I'm like, because mm. you're not a C student, mm. you're a student, yeah. and you just did something uh -huh. good. So stop yeah. blaming yourself. So that's like the first time. That was like, I don't know, 25 years ago or whatever. That was the first time I was like, great, huh? That doesn't, that's not good. So, mm. but then it took me so long to figure out that there was another way. And it was really because when I worked at Arte and we started doing feedback. And once we started doing feedback, instead of putting grades on stuff, we put yeah. feedback on stuff. Then we were working with the students and then they would take the feedback and they would do it again and work on it till they mastered it or came darn close, you know, just so that and there was a sense of accomplishment. And the interesting thing was because uh, it, now there's a middle school at Arte, but at the time there was, it was just the high school. And, you know, high school, at the end of the day, we still had to give a grade at the end of the semester, right. or the end of the year, um, unfortunately. But we were able to give those grades without, it was the first time ever students didn't complain about their grade because they knew exactly why they got their grade because mm -hmm. they'd seen everything go on. And by the way, if you're, you know, sort of grading for mastery, if you're looking for mastery and you expect mastery, then guess what? All their, that final grade is going to be a lot higher because you're not going to let them fail or do C work, whatever the heck. Right, that whatever that really right. means. And, and C was supposed to mean average, which meant like, you know, I never got that. But C is not yeah, a great, yeah, like, you know, like, I don't know. It's just crazy. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing is that um, when I did that episode with Jesse, um, the Why Grades Fail Us, he was talking about how you work with your students. If you have to come up with that grade, you work with your students and you ask them, what are the, what's the grade that you think that you deserve? And mm -hmm. to me, that was um, like light bulb moment. I was like, 
what an amazing idea. You're so, including the student in the conversation? Yeah. I just can't with you. What? That's crazy talk. I mean, you might as well just overthrow education. At that point. Um, with your mug. Your mug, right? <laughs> you see the back. Join the revolution. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, so I did that. I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this a go. So I talked to the students because we had before, in any case, for the narratives, we would have the narratives were more of a conversation anyway. Like we would write mm -hmm. our thing and then the students would write their kind of response to it. Um, and then we tried it the reverse way where the students did theirs and then yeah, right. so it was kind of like this interesting conversation. So we, we try so many different things and see what everybody thinks is the best idea. But at the end of the day, I, I was like, I'm going to, uh, <laughs> mud party, mud party. <laughs> I'm going to have a mud party. Um, yeah. So, so having the students figure out what they, you know, to, to reflect on their learning. Can you imagine reflecting on your learning? You know, like, I mean, it's like you're going to learn from it and then change something in the future. What? That's this is sad. insane. Yeah. Elaine, you know, student-led assessment is great. Oh my gosh. I'm loving this comment. I wanted to finish my thought. And yeah, that's the comment. I love mm -hmm. it. <laughs> finish your thought. Then we have to read that. No, no, no. That's so funny. Um, yeah. So that, so I would work with the students and I would say, you know, just as Jesse suggested, um, you know, what do you think, you know, let's look over this work and, and your work for the semester or whatever. What do you think? What do you think? You know, let's, let's think about what are some things that we would use as criteria, first of all, and then using that criteria, what do you think? So you're also involving them in using the criteria. And here is another thing I did the following year. I had my students help me write the curriculum for the year. Oh my gosh. I just, you're yeah, losing your mind. You're ruining everything that education stands I for. Know, I know. You pretty much destroyed the ego of the educator. So, and, and you know what else we didn't do? We, we didn't sit in rows either. I know. Isn't that awful? I can't, I can't take you anywhere. <laughs> a teacher I know correlates grades with A for aha, B for booyah, just to switch mindsets for kids, but also many times grades are for parents, which are true. But I yeah. do like A for aha and B for booyah. I do too. That's so great. If you have to throw it out there, then you know you might as well change it up a bit. But I think a lot of what you said um, about kind of dropping the educate or dropping the education piece. No, we need that piece. Dropping the grades piece is you're replacing it with relationship. Yes. I mean, so you're dropping grades, but you're adding in relationships. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. the value of what you're exchanging. Which is, which is, is everything. Yeah. I mean, oh, right. The relationship is, you know, students might not remember everything that, and I'm not the first person to say this, obviously, they might not remember everything you taught. They might, they might not but they will remember the relationship. I'm friends, like good friends with a student of mine from my first year of teaching. So like now she's in her mid thirties or whatever. And, and she's, she became a teacher too. And she said to me like years ago, I, I asked her a long time. She's like, you're my favorite. You were my favorite teacher. And I was like, that's so nice. Why? And I was like, what did, did I teach you something? She's like, yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> but what I really, there was something in there was how you taught and what you taught and the way you did it and the relationships. And she said, that was 
everything to me as an eighth grade girl. You know, I needed oh. that. I needed role model. I needed whatever it was. I was like, great. And so now I love that she is an educator too. And she said that, and, and when she was going through her master's, getting her master's, she would call me and help ask me to help her with her homework. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think I that's mean, I you know, do her homework for her. Don't do her homework for her. That's frowned upon. Grades or not, that's never a quality (laughs) practice to pick up. But I do think, you know, a lot of times when they talk about habits, they talk about you have to um, replace a habit, right? Not just drop a habit. So I was reading a book, um, Atomic Habits, and he's talking about replacing habits. So if you're going to quit smoking, you're going to replace it with what? And so... I like to think when I was thinking of grades and relationship, I think you're, you're not just dropping this habit of grades, you're replacing it with the habit of relationships. So every time you want to throw a grade at someone, you think of, okay, we're not doing great. So how can I build a relationship in this setting instead of throwing a grade at them? So I like to think how many opportunity, how many, how often do you use grades in traditional education setting? And if you were to replace every time a grade happens with a relationship building activity, think of the the change in the classroom, in the culture. Yeah, that would be amazing. And also, I, I think even just the process of giving feedback is about mm-hmm. building relationship because it's saying to the student, I know you and your work and I care and I want you to improve. And, and, and this is for, you know, let's, let's work on this together. Right. So I think that that's, that's really, really great. Yeah. Um, is that, so ever use this Socratic method or is that too? <laughs> Actually, the Arate uses, um, a, a seminar, what they call seminars. So we actually sit at a table with the students, um, and, you know, like around with the students and it's all inquiry based. And even, I think it goes beyond Socratic method because, Socratic method to me is sort of one way. There's the teacher asking the question, the students are answering the question, which is already a great level if you do it correctly and you really do Socratic, not just like asking, I don't know, content questions or closed Uh questions, but really open questions. Um, But I love helping students develop the questions and, and, and learning how to ask really great questions. So yeah, um, asking great questions is so important. Yeah, and to ask each other questions and really develop Mm -hmm. the the whole discussion approach uh, is really, it's great. Yeah, I mean, you're creating a collaborative environment, which means you're going back to creating opportunity for relationship. And Erica said, replacing instead of dropping, that's an interesting approach. I find that often um, what the biggest thing that you come up against when doing these big shifts in education, because you go to someone who say, Hey, let's drop grades. That's a big change that you're asking of them. And the first thing you have to touch on is mindset. And so, so often what comes with, if you're looking for a shift in mindset, you got to think about how you're messaging it, um, how you're kind of branding, you know, what you're saying. And so in a previous conversation I'd had with someone who had made the shift um, in their in their school, they were actually they were a like kind of like a pod. So it was a homeschool type situation, but there were several families worth of students there and they were doing grades and traditional learning. And then they kind of switched over to this gradeless approach. But the conversation we had to kind of revolve it around the mindset shift. So when the conversation would lead itself to, Hey, just forget grades. They're like, Oh no, that's too valuable. We need right. that. That's important. Right. Like, okay, well then what if I shift the way that we're presenting that? What if we replace grades 
with relationship building. And then you're using this positive training. We're not dropping anything. We're not getting rid of anything. We're replacing it with something valuable. And suddenly it was shifting their mindset and going, oh, okay, well, that makes more sense. We're not just trashing something. We're replacing it with something even more valuable, Um, which leads to an interesting, you know, interesting conversation. So, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that schoolers. It's interesting because when I spoke to um, Shannon and Vikita about the um, about their school and I said, what were some of the challenges, you know, was the biggest challenge of presenting this for the parents, the students, the other teachers and Mm -hmm. and a lot of it is parents like we grew up on that system. Right. And um, it works for me. It'll work for you. Right. right, right. I always say when people say that about education, well, we've been doing education like that and it's always worked and it worked for us. And I always say like, we turned out fine. Yeah, we turned out fine. But do you remember, well, you might even be too young to remember this, but do you remember rotary phones? Were you around? I mean, I understand the concept. Oh, I, I know that you. you're so yeah. cute and young. So, so we had this thing, it was called a rotary phone where you had to dial, right? And I um, mean, then it was really exciting because then it went to push button phones, but it was still like you were still tethered to the wall, right? It wasn't so, so that worked. I mean, I grew up as a teenager. I lived, I thrived. I I'm turned out to be a great adult. No problem. But guess what? I have a smartphone and I wouldn't trade that smartphone for two seconds for that rotary phone. So it's <laughs> the same thing. It's like, yeah, that was fine if you want a rotary phone education. But I want my right. kids to have the smartphone education. Why would we want to go backwards? So, you know, yeah. this is a time to think about like, why do we need to do, <laughs> why do we need to do grades, right? Like, wait, like you said, can we replace them with something more meaningful, something that adds to education and doesn't detract from it? Something that, um, and, and I would like to also throw in that this means that we have to change the way we do assessments. Because somebody, I was talking mm-hmm. to somebody and they're like, well, what do you put on the test? And I'm like, but if you don't, why don't you replace the test with a way more authentic and creative form of assessment? I and like then, your use of the replacement there. Well, I'm going to steal that from you. It was amazing. That's such a great, <laughs> I've never used that before, but it's like, hmm, that's a great <laughs> approach and I'm going to borrow it. Um, yeah. So I, I love that because I, I would say to somebody, I, it was so funny. I was giving this workshop on creative and authentic assessments to a very traditional school. It was online and Mm -hmm. they brought me in for that, the faculty and the head of the school was there, a very traditional school. And I, and I was telling them about, you know, authentic and creative assessments and they were really, really into it. And finally, one of the, the teachers says, that is amazing. But like, how do you grade something like that? And I said, mm-hmm. well, you know, because I wasn't going to bring it up, but I said, well, actually, you know, I don't give grades. I give feedback. Uh-oh. And all of a sudden you could like see the heads blowing up. And they said, can you do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can. And I explained it. And they were like, you're going to end up in like education jail. They're going to find you for you in there. They are. I'm, I'm terribly radical. Uh, as are you. So tell me, I want to hear about your, um, cause your kids go to a grade list school. So how is that experience as a parent? How do, how is their experience as, as students? And did they ever know anything different? That's actually what I want to know too. Like, did they go well, from having grades to not having grades? 
Yeah. So, I mean, they, their whole early education through first grade was at my school when I was running the school that I was at. So through first grade at the least, especially my youngest, they had no idea what grades were. We were all experiential. We were Reggio inspired. We were hands-on play-based relationship based or all those things. No concept of any of that. Okay. Um, Boy, are they and, in for a rude awakening a few seconds? I, I mean, uh, but my oldest went, she has done, she's made the whole round because, you know, first children, you got to try everything with them, right? They're kind of right. the experiment. So she's right. done private, <laughs> private charter homeschool, wow. you know, I think she's done all of them. Wow. She's in fifth grade now. Um, <laughs> but we, we found, so she understands grades and, and all of that. But what we found was she is, if you were to label her, like the, like they tried to do, she is a GT learner. So they wanted to put her in this GT program. Well, then she liked it on Mondays when she got to go to GT, but then she didn't want to do the rest of the days where she wasn't and oh all my God, that. My son had the same experience. Yeah, you know, it was school, just, except for that one. Except for the one day, that you could do that. And the one day where she could do interest-led experiential learning was the day that she really liked. And it was shocking, yep. shocking. Yep. But right. So we this year we have we've switched to homeschool. Um, because I'm now working from home. So I never had the opportunity to homeschool before. And now that I'm working from home, I was like, oh, well, this is perfect. Let's try this out. And I pretty much put her in charge of it. I said, here you go. Ready, set, run with it. Here's your expectations. She is a very independent child and is doing really well. And recently we started with a program, which if I were to build a program as close as I could get to a student-led learning program that was interest-led and all those things, um, we have found it in an online platform school called Galileo. Oh, I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For yes. Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So sure. it is, she goes in, she builds her schedule. There's facilitator led clubs, student led clubs, there's boot camps, nano degrees, and all of that. Um, and it's all interest led. And she builds out her own stuff. She drops a club, doesn't like it. She can create a club. She wants to create a new one. And there's no teachers, they're facilitators. So it's kind of the epitome of co constructivism. Um, and all that type of thing. And so she loves it. Um, she is thriving. I mean, I think right now she's taking her animation course, which is student led. So she's learning wow, from other wow. students about 3D animation. She, one of her classes she takes in VR. So she throws on her goggles, they meet oh inside gosh. of VR and it's an international platform. Yeah. So she, she came out the other day and she's like, Hey mom, I had someone in my class from Wales and Spain and this and that. Wow. And so she to experience this, it's bigger than, you know, where we are. And um, so it kind of has all of those concepts in it. So she no longer, we no longer do grades or any of that, but my youngest, um, is, has dyslexia and ADHD. So she has a different learning experience than my oldest and she never understood grades. And so the most recent school that she was at, they tried to give her a grade. It was the first time. And she came home going, mom, what's a, what's a grade? What, what? what I got a 87, like, what is this? What does it mean? mean? <laughs> I don't understand Amazing. what you're saying to me. And I was like, ah, you know, I wouldn't worry about it. It's not a big deal. And we kind of moved on. Well, then there were a couple situations where the teachers who are beautiful, lovely humans, but they were trying to use grades as a motivator for Alea. And she's like, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> And they're like, well, if you don't focus on this, if you don't blah, 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 then you're going to get a bad grade. And Elia's like, I don't understand what no, you're no, saying. No, don't care. <laughs> and she's like, 
my mom says that doesn't matter. So and I was like, oh, you got me called into a parent meeting. Like now I'm having to sit in a meeting. <laughs> but I pretty much said, look, you can use that if you want, but I'm telling you, we are not reinforcing that at home because I, we don't care about grades. And I understand what that means to you as an educator. And I understand how I'm hurting your soul right now. I really do. And we are not trying to be disrespectful and I'm not encouraging her to be disrespectful. However, we are not driven by the grade you may get at the end. It's process over pro process over product, <laughs> all those types 100%. of things. Yeah. And so, but the, the teacher sitting across from me was just like, <sighs> Like, what are you saying to me yeah. right now? And so right now she's in kind of a hybrid situation with some different classes. We're still trying to figure out what works best for her. Um, but long story short, she still doesn't really understand grades. She knows there's a bad grade and a good grade, but she still doesn't quite compute the what those that are. That's even a thing that there's a bad grade and a good grade. I mean, instead of saying like, hey, you let's let's help you learn this information let's help you figure out how to do it yes facilitators of mm -hmm. learning not mm -hmm. not judges um mm -hmm. like judges of learning judgment yeah. right so yeah i mean i was thinking about <laughs> you i'm glad i'm not the only education mom <laughs> who goes to like those teacher conferences or whatever <laughs> and i'm sure i'm sure that my when i now we're doing everything virtually, but when my son was a freshman in high school, we had to go in, and I'm sure they were like, "Oh my gosh, here's Mrs. I, yeah, don't let her in. No, Please, don't, oh make my her gosh, stop she's just door. gonna say stuff." But um, I actually, the following year, this this past year, my son's school has brought me in um, virtually to give a bunch of workshops, which I really appreciate um, because they're trying to to really make it work. Mm -hmm. But um, but I remember when my son was a freshman, and he was bombing his as were all the kids because the freshman teacher had this theory the freshman english teacher had this theory that um she was going to give the hardest hardest thing first and and she wanted all of her students to sort of struggle and get their you know c's through f's and like really and then and then I mean, it was like the craziest thing and so that first conference it was like you know the first parent teacher conference and she's talking to me about how my son is failing and i by the way i just want to say because who cares about grades but he made honor roll this year um see it's hard even like my twisty twisty brain but um uh -huh. but he but i'm only saying that honestly because i i went to her he was getting an app and she started to tell me the other teachers were telling me what they were doing in class how my son was doing she all she wanted to talk about was the tests the quizzes and his grades and i was like do you have anything else to tell me because i actually don't care what his grade is and you know, mm -hmm. and my son's sitting right there too. It's like uh, they, they yeah. did it with the kids there. My son's, I was like, I don't really care what his grade is. Don't tell me about the tests, the quizzes. I don't really yeah. care. I want to hear about what you're doing and how you're going to, you know, I mean, sh she had nothing to say because I took away, it. that's all she was going to talk about was uh -huh. he did this on this test and he got this score on this quiz and he, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I just want to know, was he learning? Are you helping him to learn more? If he's struggling, how are you helping him? You know, well, that's, that's the only marker for success. Yeah. I mean, they're not looking at those markers. They're just looking at grades. And if you take away grades, then suddenly you would have to be more involved in the relationship or the experience exactly. of learning. And that's a struggle. But here's an interesting question I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on. 
Brett says, I spoke with a group of homeschool parents of eighth graders this week as I was sharing how colleges use GPA tests for admissions. They admitted that they really don't do grades. For gradeless communities, how would they let the colleges know what they've learned? So that's a great question, actually. And well, it's one of the reasons, to be honest, that Arate still does give that grade at the end of the semester and the end of the year, even though we don't grade anything in between, um, because we're still stuck in that system. But there's tons of homeschool kids who don't get a grade and they get into really good schools, mm -hmm. really good colleges, if that's where those kids wanna go. Because the college is actually, and I think more and more, and this is what we really need to work on, is the colleges more and more are looking at like a student portfolio. So what I would right. do, if I were those parents, and I'm sure some of them are doing that, is you collect a, like sort of a digital portfolio of mm -hmm. the work that that kid has done. And mm -hmm. I mean, it seems to me that it, to even ask homeschool parents to grade their kids seems silly because they're either gonna like falsely give them A's so that they can <laughs> get into the other school. And we all know that, do parents really cheat to get their kids into college? I'm not no, sure. No, no, I definitely no. That's a no. no. Strong no. no. Hard no. Cheating, <laughs> hard no. Um, oh, by the way, and I do want to say just as a side note, and this is actually a really important side note, when you take away the grading, the cheating is gone. Oh there my no gosh. There's no plagiarism because if there is, they're just going to have to redo it anyway. And they know that, right? They'll mm -hmm. like, Okay, so thank you for turning in the work of that website. That was awesome. Now I'd like to see your work, you know? Yeah. But I don't even, I mean, in my in my last few years of teaching, there's no cheating. You can't cheat on a, if you're not giving a test, you can't cheat on a test, right? If you're not, my whole feeling is if a student can cheat on an essay or an assessment, then it's not a good essay or it's not a good assessment. Mm -hmm. It's not yeah. good. If you can cheat it's on your, it, right? It's right. Not yeah, I mean, I asking them to use the information. So, the colleges, I think, more and more are looking at student portfolio. And I think somebody else says that a again, a lot of people are dropping the ACT and SATs. Elaine was mentions, um, and yes, and she says, is it are is it blasphemous to mention that grades can be very arbitrary anyway? <laughs> it is. Not only, well, it, it probably is blasphemous for people, yeah. but it is at the absolute truth. How yep. is my A, is my A the same as someone else's A? Are they No, because they're all given by humans. Exactly. That's the problem. Exactly. And, and, even, and even if you say that there are, is like a point system, I remember when I had to give grades and I was like freaking out. I was like, I, how am I going to grade these kids on this stuff? Like I'm there's so much more interesting things that I want, but I, I couldn't, I, ha I knew I had to do it. And so I would give them work. And sometimes I'd give them assignments just so I had something to put, like grade some assignment or something, just so I'd have something to put in my you mm -hmm. know, grade book. And then I would let it compute because the first year that I was teaching, we didn't have like the online, you know, grade book or whatever. And it was just my grade book. And I was just like, I could just throw any grade in there. Like really, it was so arbitrary. It was just mm -hmm. my opinion about it. And even, you know, then later, you know, people would say like, okay, we'll give them a rubric so they know what to expect. And I right. was like, okay, well, that's like a little bit better. But then that was still really, you know, it gave us a conversation piece, but I was still putting a number on it. 
And yeah. so I remember when I had this rubric at, at Arate at early on before, and, and um, Jim said to me, like, why are you putting numbers on it? If you want to do a rubric, <laughs> just put like, hey, these are things I expect. And, and, and then here's the thing. Give them an example of what, this is such a Ron Berger thing. Um, I have an episode with Ron Berger too. He's so amazing. He's my educational idol. Um, but he, but, but he talks about this too, that you show your students what it looks like, what, what a good product looks like, um, and give them examples. And one of the things I started doing is using examples of past students' work so that they could see students are capable of doing amazing work, right? And, right, and if yeah. I don't have something like that, I, I show them an example and I walk them through it. And because I want success, that isn't that the goal of education isn't to trap theoretically, them, trick them. It's, it's theoretically. To, <laughs> theoretically, it's for, that they should all succeed. If, if all your students aren't getting, you know, like A's and B's, whatever that means, then as a teacher, I'm a failure. Yeah. Like if I'm giving a C or D, I, I've talked about this before on my show, but um, I had a teacher in when I was a senior in high school who said with glee, he said, I fail at least one senior every year and then they can't graduate. It was like to put the fear of God in us or something. I don't know what it yeah. was about. But at the time, I just was like, loser, like it uh -huh. immediately put me off from that teacher uh -huh. because I was like, why would you want to do that? You know? Whereas, missing, I mean, we're missing the point. Everything's been so diluted down to, you know, I was having a conversation with someone the other day and it was, um, why do we educate? Like, what is the purpose? And I said, I really think that the, the why do we educate, the very foundation of all of that, no one's asking that question as right. much as we should. We now have all these layers of policies and procedures and assessments built on top of it that we're never getting all the way down to the bottom to say, why are we doing this? And do all of these things still align with our why or our practices align with the why it's that's that is what you just said is everything it's like so i teach english right and one of the things that we say to our students when we're teaching about an essay is we teach them how to create a strong thesis statement right mm -hmm. and then every single part of your essay needs to relate back to the thesis statement it's the same thing what's your right. educational right. thesis Right. Yeah. And then everything that we're doing shouldn't be detracting from that. Otherwise, if, if we were grading, right, people's ways of looking at education, man, it would be total F. No. Mm -hmm. But if I was giving feedback, if I was replacing that grade with feedback, I would want that. I would go back and I would say, wait, this thing that you're doing, this grading, it doesn't match your why. It doesn't match your thesis. It doesn't like right. you need to align. I mean, that's such a perfect you yeah. Said. And, you know, I've done that in schools before. And then I work some of the work that I do is working with education teams, teach teaching teams. Um, right now I'm working with a SPED and a gen ed team and how they're kind of coming together to collaborate. In those. And the first question we always I mean, the first thing we're always functioning through is what's your goal? What's your values? What's your mission? What's your thesis? Right. And then what are your practices? And do they align? We call it a culture right. filter. So if your if your thesis or your basis, your your sorry, your um, what you want to do is build relationships, then you need to take every action and take it through this filter of our is this building a relationship? Right. And at the very most basic version, it would say, 
you know, if your outcome wants to be relationships and you're giving grades, can you take this F that you gave, put it through the filter of a relationship and it do what you want it to do? Are your practices aligning with your purpose? Right. And I think we're so far from that in education as a whole bit giant picture right now, because there's so many things built on top of it that I, I really think, no, most of our practices are not aligning with why do we educate? Because I don't know that we even collectively have the answer to that. Why that's, do we? That's educate? the key. That's the key. We have to come up with that answer. And, and somehow it needs to be a universal answer because mm -hmm. if we're not, I, I think, you know, one of the things you said is so important. People aren't even asking the question. People uh -huh. don't even know. You know, right. it's like, you know, again, I'm going to make that analogy, but how do you write an essay if you don't know what you're writing mm -hmm. about? It's just like a random collection of things that may or may not make sense. And that's exactly what's happening with education right now. It's just this random bunch of stuff that may or may not make sense, but we don't question it. And like you said, it's so layered that we can't even dig through all of those layers to say, wait a minute, why are we educating in the first place? Mm -hmm. What is the purpose. And like you said, if, if we don't understand what that purpose is, it's really hard for everything else to align to it. We've got, yeah. You know, and that's one of the so. big purposes of like future oriented um, classrooms and learning is that, um, is that we want to raise critical thinkers. Right. We want these kiddos to be able to respectfully come against, you know, quote unquote, a teacher or an educator to say, I respectfully disagree to have these spaces where yeah. they can say those types of things um, and to ask questions about, can you tell me why this is, why we do it this way or why we don't do it that way? Right. Um, and I think that's really, really important because, you know, I know for me, a lot of time growing up, it was don't ask, don't ask questions, like just do it. Just do what I just said that you were going to do and don't ask questions. It was always disrespectful to ask too many questions about, well, why? I don't understand. And I think, yes, it can be. I mean, what we teach my 11 year old is, there's a respectful way to ask questions if right. you're looking for more information. Obviously, there are times where it's not, where you just need to, in an emergency situation or if something's happening, right, then just right. go with it, okay? And ask questions right. later. Right. Right. But I don't always just take it for what it is. I mean, ask questions in a respectful way. And I think that's a huge piece of what students need to be doing because, mm -hmm. and I think I'm seeing that. The more and more students are they're not being given a space at the table in traditional education, but I'm watching it being taken. They're starting to take the space at the table and Love say, okay, it. no, I really do have questions about right. what you're saying right. and why is that as valuable as you're saying that it is? And I think that's a huge, a huge thing. And I was thinking back to like our topic a little bit ago when Brett was asking about um, getting into college, my 11 year old is already building her portfolio. Like when she builds an animation, then she just saves it in a file yeah. called Phelan or whatever. And then she can use that later. So even though we don't, we don't grade, which as we talked about is very arbitrary, she has something that I think is more valuable. She has proof of practice yeah. in this portfolio where she can come back and say, here are my actual projects that have been built and no, I, it's not an F or an A, but here, here's yeah, and any are. college is going to look at that and they're going to be like, wow. You know, I mean, that's your 11 year old did that. And when, when you were 11, you did that. I know my son, when he was 11, was like creating. That's when he started getting really serious about coding and creating 3D games. Mm -hmm. now, he does like 
he creates apps now and he's 15 yeah. and I'm just like, okay, I'm not worried about, I don't, and I tell him that all the time. I'm just like, I don't really care what your grades are. Like, you're fine. I, you're learning. Mm-hmm. He learns on his own. That's the other thing is students, if they're interested in something, they're going to learn it, whether they have to learn oh, it on yeah. their own or they learn it in school. Um, and so our goal as educators anyway, should be to try to, to develop that curiosity and so to me, questions are literally the most important thing in education. If students yep. aren't asking questions, it's really hard for any of us to learn anything. Everything starts with a question to mm-hmm. learn something. It's if you're just being fed stuff, you know, and you have to just like, you know, like take it in. That's not that's a robot or something. I don't know what that is. That's a, and, and our education system was really about creating that that's what it was based right. on right it was a factory it was a factory. to create factory workers exactly and so we we didn't mm-hmm. really want people to question or think critically and guess what it worked <laughs> because now i cannot <laughs> we believe did how many people have no idea how to think critically how to look at a piece of information and ask a question how mm-hmm. to to even question it right i mean I, or to respectfully disagree and respectfully to... like we that is the yeah. key is how do we have a respectful conversation with somebody mm-hmm. with whom we do not agree, or just somebody who we want to find out information from. We want to clarify right. something. How do you ask in a respectful way? I love that you're teaching that. And um, I definitely talk to my students about that and, and about also how what all the different kinds of questions are. I actually developed a, a methodology for training uh, te- for teachers to ask a wider variety of kind of question and also how to um, train your students to ask a wider variety of kind of questions. Mm-hmm. Like, then it starts their thinking and also it, it sparks their analytical skills. And so uh, it's called lenses of questioning. And mm-hmm. um, I teach work, you can check out, um, you know, newlensed.com and uh, you can see <laughs> starting uh, and um, online courses. But in all seriousness, because the bottom line is that it's all about questions. However, you get your students yeah. to do that. Yeah. Um, however, and there's so many tools now that can facilitate those kinds of things where you mm-hmm. want them to ask questions and you have to train them. I remember when early on and I asked students um, before I had this methodology and everything. And I remember I gave students a piece of text and I said, give me three good questions on this piece of text. And I was, you know, I wanted them to really look at it and ask me, you know, delve into it and ask me these questions. And for 90% of them, the questions that they asked when they actually did come up with them, because not everybody could, were all what I call teacher questions, which Mm -hmm. they were all content. And I was, and I said to them, can you, can I, you ask that question, did you really care? Did, did you need to know that? Or could you, you care about the, the answer? Text? And they're like, oh, no, I didn't know that's what you meant. Because yeah. as teachers, so often that's the kind of question we ask them is something that they could just look up in the text. And now we know that kids can look up a lot of things. So we actually need to teach them, you know, what's a, a real source, you know? Oh, yeah. We, they don't need us anymore. And that's a whole other topic we could go down. And I talk about that a lot is the ego of the educator is the students don't really even need us anymore. I mean, they don't need us in the way that they might've needed way. us. They absolutely right. need us. Before, right. they need someone to come alongside and help them kind of 
filter information and find out how to use it and all those types of things, but they don't need us in the sense that we're the only ones that have the answers. Correct. They can find answers everywhere, but now they need someone to come alongside them and help them process right. all this and information. Synthesize it and then transfer mm -hmm. it to, right, all of those things. And I think somebody else mentioned it too, that uh, about being a facilitator, because mm -hmm. that's really the shift now. I want to facilitate yeah. a learning experience. I want right. them to explore i want them to learn how to learn that's right. really it because yeah. if you can learn how to learn then you do that on your own when you need to which you know mm -hmm. and, and do it with critical thinking and learn how to analyze and all of those things and going back to the grades thing when we grade something it just sucks the curiosity out it's it puts yeah. a damp on it and it's like and mm -hmm. done like that's because it. You're, you're going for the product over right. the process exactly. when you're when you're going for the grade and you're missing that. And I think at the very core of all asking questions and the schools that I directed were early education and we were Reggio inspired, which Reggio at its very core is teaching them to explore it. What is the yeah. process? I mean, you don't even in most cases give them the product that they're shooting for. They're then exploring materials and creating what they want to create from it. Right. And it was this epitome of how do we ask, how do we teach them to ask questions? How do they explore this on their own? And which is so natural in early education. Yeah. I mean, you give them a bunch of rocks and they'll create 200 different things. And then they lose that over time um, and become less and less question askers, right? I mean, yeah. so yeah. I think it would be interesting in we theory to it. take- we squish it. We squish it. But to take a Reggio um, lesson plan from an ECE classroom, throw it into a high school classroom and see these students are saying, okay, what do you want to do with the rocks? Instead of saying, okay, cool, I'll build a tower with the rocks or whatever, because we've we that shift has happened between ECE, you know, and high school in that way. I always, you know, I loved the Reggio stuff, and I always thought, why is there no high school during this? But the truth I, is, there are schools now that are doing things like that, and a lot mm -hmm. of like the project-based learning is so yeah. great. Um, I, I love project-based learning and not, yeah. you know, I also love doing projects with learning and doing projects right. and things like that. Two different things entirely. Right. Um, they have one word in common and, and also the fact that there's a product involved, but right. uh, I love the idea of a learning, you know, of, of that, again, of that learning experience of, um, I, also love like when um, my head of school and I, when he was like, we're, we're gonna make a middle school. And let's just imagine what's like, if you could have your fantasy middle school, what would it be like? And we just dreamed it up and he's like, okay. And so, and, and that's what they're doing now. They're doing yeah. all of these things that we dreamed up. Things like deep dives into topics that the students are really, really interested in. Things like mm -hmm. quests, where it's all about discovering. Right. We have this whole, the whole first semester is just like, a sample, a poo-poo platter of you know, stuff so that students can figure out what they're really, really into and what right. they want to dive into more. So it's like mm -hmm. a survey and then they get to go in and, oh, it's like, oh, I wish I went to a middle school like that. I know. I love interest-based learning. I mean, it's going to take you way cooler places than if the teacher only decides where you get to go. Honestly, yeah, and it's not, I'd rather teach interest-based. And I would say even beyond that, I mean, so many teachers now, they don't have that freedom. It has been taken right. away from them. The ability to be creative and to be, you know, and to go into depth has been replaced by breadth of subject 
Um, yeah, potpourri was probably, uh, or smorgasbord. We can just use many analogies for, for uh, what I was talking about. Um, but the, it's been replaced by this, you know, you have to do it this way and you have to do it. I mean, some teachers, I've heard from teachers who actually, they hand them a scripted curriculum. Mm -hmm. You have to teach mm -hmm. this and you have to teach it this way. And it takes- Why even get a degree? I mean, what's the value of going to school to be a teacher? Like- you yeah. can pull anybody off the street and let them read a script. Give them a script and tell them what to do. I mean, it's 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 sucking the life. There's so many teachers right now out there that are just feeling like it sucked the life out of them. Like teacher teaching isn't a joy anymore, mm -hmm. and that is such a shame because Lord knows we need good, passionate, creative educators out there who help students connect to the material and also to know that every single class is different. Right. Mm -hmm. If I know these teachers who say, well, I've been doing this for 24 years and it works. I'm just like, well, have you been teaching the same thing the same way for 24 years? Because that's that means you've been teaching for one year the same way, 24 times. Right. right? It's not a problem. It's very different because if I'm teaching the same thing that I taught last year, the same way this year, mm -hmm. especially when I have completely different students, there's a problem. Yeah, I mean, you're losing the value of emergent curriculum. I mean, your curriculum should, it could have a baseline, but it needs to be emergent to follow the students that are involved in the process of it. I mean, I think that's a whole big thing. And I think all of the things that we've kind of, that we've covered, right? Teachers losing some of the ability to have creativity in their classroom, students, um, you know, we talked about Reggio. So from ECE to high school, they're losing this ability to question with critical thinking and all those types of things. I mean, I, all of those, mostly come back to this concept of grades because we're finalizing, we have to finish with this product. So ask right. the right questions or you have to, are you not going to finish with this product or don't ask questions because you won't finish with this project or teachers aren't allowing for creativity because the school has to hit this thing because funding is tied to grades, which is tied to what you're doing in the classroom, which is all tied to this. And so you better get an A, which we, as we decided is arbitrary. So, I mean, I think, it, it seems simple enough, right? Just take grades out. It's fine. Just move them away. It'll be, but it's a huge mindset shift yeah. that would have to happen. I mean, a funding shift and a teacher training shift. I mean, all of the changes that would have to go in it, but I, I love seeing it happen in what I would call these little innovation pockets, like what's happening with you and what we're seeing at, my, at Galileo and other pieces are these just little people and little things changing a little bit at a time. And I really think the more value we see from these innovation pockets, the more we can use that to push back on this traditional model of everything is tied to a grade. Right. And I think that it really goes about what you're saying. People can't make their own, teachers can't make their own sweeping changes necessarily. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's gonna change, but it might not mm -hmm. change that quickly. But we right. can do those little things. Like I was coaching this teacher at a very traditional school. And and he said, oh, I have to give grades. He was kind of bemoaning it. I was like, well, why don't you ask your students to, and I, you know, and I gave him that idea of having them work with you and figuring out what they think they should get and so forth. He's like, you know what, I'll try it. He came back to me and he said, I can't believe how well that went. Mm -hmm. It was so great. They were in shock that I even asked them and we sat down, we had a really good conversation. Just what you were saying, replacing that with relationship. It added a relationship mm -hmm. to yeah. that process that current, you know, before that students are just left out, you know, sometimes yeah. Yeah. and I think, 
Yeah. And so I think if we were to take all of this and kind of put it into one, you know, here's your nugget that you could leave with, right? It would be the the possibility for the future of education not be to revolve around grades is real. The reality of it happening within the next one or two years is is not necessarily, you know, a big possibility. However, while we would love to overthrow education as a whole, just burn down and start over, that we don't have to do that to start making changes. Actually, I wouldn't burn it down. There are good things, and I would want to keep this. I do want to say that. I'm not so crazy that I want to burn down the whole thing. But there are... But there are so many things. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. keep, no, 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 no. I mean, keep the valuable things and burn down the general, you know, the bad things, keep the good things on the inside. But what I'm saying is we can start to do small things like you were talking about and replacing things even inside of systems that we don't technically, I don't agree with grades in general, but if I have to function inside of them, we can still make them work. I mean, so I don't want this whole, hey, gradeless is better than grades to say, well, we can't go gradeless, so we can't do that, can't do relationship, or we can't do this. Because there are always innovation things that you can do inside of a system, even though it's not ideal, like you were saying with that teacher. And I think that's a big takeaway for this conversation is, you know, your school may not go gradeless tomorrow, but you can still replace some of the practices with relationship building and, and things like what you were saying. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. It's all, so and we got to keep, keep moving forward. And I think, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's what I would leave with too, is that you're right. We're not going to be able to do this in a day, a week, a year, but we can make small steps towards it. And we shouldn't give up trying just because the task is daunting. Right. right? If the more people hear about this and understand it and try it, the the more it will move forward. And I yeah. think this is the time because of what happened in the pandemic, I think more people are questioning the value mm -hmm. of grades. And I think like, now's the time people, let's make those little changes any way you can. Stealth, right? Stealth <laughs> throwers, you know, you need to be, you know, like ninja, quiet, sneak in there, you know. Yeah, because I think you're right, now is the time. Yeah. People are asking questions now where they haven't really before. And I think it's, Perfect. So if you were to like, what's your, what's your nugget that you're going to leave us with? Drop the mic on your last, like, I leave you with these words. Take oh, no pressure. Like, okay, <laughs> no pressure. be brilliant, but no pressure. Be brilliant no. in 10 seconds or less. Is, I think just to encapsulate everything that we said that, um, the changes aren't going to happen necessarily fast, but it must change. And I think that the other thing that you were you mentioned is really the most important thing. It all goes back to why are we educating? And if we can mm -hmm. align everything that we're doing, if we can define what that why is and our purpose, our mission, our philosophy, whatever you want to call it, our vision, if you can align with that, every single other piece um, I, I, that would change educate. It would be mind blowing the changes that it would make. I agree. So we're going to just align everything with our mission. First, we got to answer the question. First, we have, to, then we'll align. We have <laughs> to define that mission. And I think every educator, you know, everybody talks about find your why as a personal thing mm -hmm. for an educator. I think that's lovely, but we need to ask the bigger why, which is what you were saying. Right. Why, why are, 
you know, or how, what, like, what is the purpose? Actually, it's the best way to say it. What is the purpose of education? Yeah. We need Overall. to figure that, we and need we to need figure to that out. And we need to agree on that collectively, and then we can build from there. Yeah. I think that's a great plan. Ready, set, go. <laughs> All right. I'm in. I'm in. Sign me up. <laughs> well, thank you so much for hanging out with me. And I think for a show called What Could Go Wrong, we actually did really well. Yay us. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> I think it was fine. We had no drama as I've had in previous episodes. So that's a win. And all of you who joined in on the conversation, thank you. Y'all were awesome. Yeah, brought up some really, really cool. amazing points. And I yeah. loved that. So we will see you guys. Oh, next week on What Could Go Wrong Live, Rachel is dropping the theme song that she wrote for me. So Ooh. definitely hang out because it's amazing and I'm really excited about it. I so. the theme song. Does that mean that you and I have to sing something together? <sighs> yes. Yes. Please sing. Oh, I was totally kidding. <laughs> no, I'm fine. <laughs> we'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. And we'll wait for next week. I don't want to upstage. What Rachel may of have. Of course. We want to, we want Rachel to be able to do all yeah. those cool things. So, so gonna, we will see you guys next time. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. She be teaching for the money and fame because everybody knows that's the name of the game. Challenging schools to elevation, pushing the limits of education. Who's that girl at the trampoline park? Filled with passion and thrown up sparks. Got growth mindset like fire. Lifting learners up higher. Disrupting the flow of the status quo. Making people think about what they know. Focus, function, move forward. Chelsea's question now for you.